Welcome to the One Heart Podcast from Concordia University, St. Paul, where we share the stories at the heart of our CSP community. Greetings, and thank you for listening to this first episode of the One Heart Podcast. I am your host, Billy Schultz. One Heart. That's one way to translate the name Concordia. It brings to mind a sense of unity and harmony. But this unity and harmony don't exist because we are all the same. No, it exists in spite of our many differences and the things that make each of us unique. Over our 130-year history, unique people have been part of our community. From different places in the U.S. or around the world, different connections with the university, such as faculty, staff, student, alumni, or donor, different gifts, talents, and passions, different personal and professional callings. The coming together of our uniqueness means that our one heart at CSP is dynamic and diverse. As we think about the things that make us each unique, there's so much that we can share with and learn from each other. So in this podcast, our guests will share their unique gifts and experiences and how their story is woven into the one CSP story. This first episode is the first half of a two-part interview with President Brian Friedrich. He shares with us about his family history at CSP, his experiences as a student, his career journey, and then what and who led him back to CSP as our 10th president. With that, I welcome President Brian Friedrich to the One Heart Podcast. Thank you for being with me today, Brian. It's good to be with you, Billy. For listeners who don't know you as well, um, I'd love to have you just introduce yourself, talk about who you are and how you got to be where you are today. So first, let's talk about your family legacy at CSP, because that's such a significant part of your CSP story. Well, you've been in my office many times and know that every day I look at a picture on my wall that identifies three generations of Friedrichs who've studied and graduated from here. My grandpa started here in 1911, and all four of his sons attended and graduated from CSP. My brother and I did, and a first cousin did. Uh, while she is not a pastor, she married a pastor. So <laughs> we, we kind of had this rhythm. You go to Concordia St. Paul and then to Concordia Seminary and uh, then be, become a pastor. So it's, it's uh, a long-standing history and tradition that our family has. In fact, my father calls CSP the family alma mater. So I really got here uh, because as a boy, I thought this would just be a wonderful place to go growing up in Northwest Iowa. Yeah. So you chose to come to CSP after high school and, uh, and be on the pre-seminary track. Right. Uh, share, share about your experiences as a student. What, what was your life like trying to navigate all the classes and participate in a variety of activities and uh, you know, with an eye toward the future? Right. Right. Well, one of the, the things in those good old days is there was a lot of prescription in the curriculum. And as, as uh, first year pre-SEM students, uh, we had the choice of either Latin or Greek. 
or excuse me, Latin or German, knowing we would also have to study and be proficient in Greek and Hebrew. So the first quarter, we were on quarters then, uh, the first quarter I had um, Latin and Greek, and that just took up so much time. Uh, during those first two years. One of the things that happened is that during that time, uh, the senior college in Fort Wayne, Indiana was closed. So the thought coming to Concordia is that I would be here for two years and do all my prerequisites and then head off to the senior college. But the faculty at, at that time said, hmm, we have about 70 pre-SEM guys in the class that started in the fall of 1975. We don't think we're going to let them go to the uh, new finishing school, Concordia Ann Arbor. We'll just keep them here. So uh, I ended up being a four-year graduate of CSP. So I was the first in my family to do that because grandpa and my dad and his brothers uh, just were here for either two or three years, uh, depending on their language proficiency. So one of the fun things we got to do in addition to studying the languages and some theology was we got to pick um, other, an area of study that we wanted to focus on. And uh, I really enjoyed history. So I ended up with a minor in history and the faculty was absolutely wonderful and kind of let me put together my own minor. So I had classes in art history and music history and European history and the history of Rome and American history. So it was just a, a marvelous liberal arts education. Absolutely. Yeah. For that well-rounded preparation then for for life in seminary and beyond then in a parish. Right. Who were some of the professors that you had that made a, a significant impact on you in your studies? You know, there's a long list, Billy, uh, probably because I took so many classes from them. The, the two that stand or the three that stand out were um, Professor uh, Pavel and Professor Middendorf and uh, Professor Stolman. So uh, Middendorf taught Greek, Pavel taught Latin and Greek, and Stolman taught Hebrew and Old Testament. So I spent a lot of time with those, those three men and uh, just terrific. But there was uh, Catherine Schenk that I took uh, class piano with and, <laughs> and Victor Gebauer who taught uh, uh, history of, of worship and, and uh, Dr. Churchill who taught art history and Lindsay and Bartling, uh, Marshke who um, taught history. So uh, just so many, so many, they're fantastic. So you finished uh, 1979, you graduated from CSP yeah. with a bachelor's degree, um, but then you ended up staying for one year around CSP and, and, and served on the staff, correct? Yeah, so it was a very strategic decision. <laughs> so one professor I didn't mention, you've heard me tell the story too many times probably, <laughs> but my favorite class, you didn't ask me that question, so I'll just lay it out now, but my favorite class at Concordia was philosophy with Herb Trichel and uh, people kind of scratch their head when I say, well, philosophy was my favorite class. It was my favorite class because I met this beautiful long-haired blonde in that class and we both got what we wanted out of the class. She got an A and I got Lori. So Lori was a year behind me and uh, in addition to getting an education degree, her goal was to get a graduate degree in psychology. So 
we thought, well, if if I am uh, able to um, stay around here a couple of years after she graduates, we could get married. She could go to the University of Minnesota and finish her graduate degree and then go on to the seminary. So that was the plan. That was the plan. Um, but timing and other things didn't quite work out that way. So after a year of working on the admission staff, um, we were, we were uh, married and off to seminary in St. Louis we went. Yes, you finished your time in St. Paul. Uh, that was what, 1980? 1980. Transitioned to the seminary and uh, did did you just do the, the regular four-year track at SEM? Yeah. Yeah. I took some some time off while I was there and and, uh-huh. uh, and finished, graduated in 1986. My brother caught up to me. Uh, <laughs> so we both graduated in 1986. After seminary, where was your first call? Well, it, the primary the first call was to Martin Luther High School in Maspeth, New York City. So I started my, my education journey as a religion teacher and dean of the chapel at uh, Martin Luther High School in, in Maspeth. So in addition to that, uh, I was called as a part-time assistant pastor at the Lutheran Church of St. John in Flushing, New York. And there I was responsible for uh, the youth of ministry of the parish and the education ministry of the parish. So they were uh, very full years, something all the time, every day, every <laughs> night. So where did uh, God call you from, from New York then? So to a congregation in Wisconsin, to Peace Lutheran Church in Park Falls, Wisconsin. And there's kind of an interesting CSP connection there. So the pastor, the senior pastor at the church was Oliver Schultz. And while Lori and I were students at CSP, uh, his three sons were here. Uh, Two were older, one was younger. But we got to know Pastor Schultz through his three sons. Uh, So I had known him for quite some time. I have no idea that that had anything to do with me being called to Park Falls, Wisconsin, whether Ali remembered me or not, probably not. Uh, um, His sons were, two of them were athletes, all three sang in a choir other than the one I sang in. So I don't don't know that Ali knew me, but that was uh, a CSP connection. Yeah, so we were there. It was a a wonderful, wonderful congregation, a a very dynamic, growing um, congregation in beautiful Northwoods of of, uh, Wisconsin. And then from there, that's when your your career in higher education began. Is, Is that correct? Right, right. So I don't know. I think for years, God must have put something in my heart. Um, that maybe higher education was something I should continue to keep uh, options and doors open for. Um, Mike Flynn, uh, who served Concordia for many years as a mission counselor, uh, director of financial aid, uh, on the advancement team, vice president of development, uh, and I uh, got to be friends while I was a student here. He had already graduated by the time we got to be students, but we were both from Northwest Iowa. So there was kind of the Northwest Iowa uh, click of, of guys. So I got to know Mike through that. And, uh, over the years we had kept in touch and, um, there were opportunities from time to time to come back to CSP. And most of the time there, I wasn't, it wasn't a good time for me and vice versa. So, uh, my first entry into, uh, higher education was at Concordia University of Nebraska. So you spent, um, what, close to 30 years, right, at 
at right. Nebraska. Just, just about 30 years, right? Variety of roles there. Right. right. So for the first 13 years I was there, I worked with uh, Orville Waltz, who was Concordia's president. Interestingly, uh, he had served a big chunk of his teaching ministry in Minnesota mm. at uh, Perm and Young America. So he was very familiar with, with Minnesota. Uh, but marvelous, marvelous mentor and uh, became a good friend. So worked with him for 13 years. And then in 2004, uh, after President Waltz retired, the board called me to serve as president number 10 at Concordia, Nebraska. And, and describe what that experience was. Uh, obviously, you're familiar with Concordia, Nebraska after years of service there. You knew the you knew the community, you knew so many of the faculty and staff and donors and and friends of the university uh but what was that like transitioning into that presidential role uh with the whole new set of responsibilities and right. expectations for for how you would be serving there right right well i i, I think uh, one of the things that became reality that uh, president waltz had shared with me at one point he said you know brian you might have a sense of what this role and responsibility is like and what the task is, but you don't really know it until you sit in the chair. And I found that to be very, very true. Um, but uh, President Waltz had done such a great job um, of, of bringing the institution back from a really challenging, difficult financial time that kind of goal number one was don't goof up what he had done so very, very well and, and worked to keep the momentum going. Uh, so, I mean, one of the positives was uh, while I did spend time listening individually because there were a lot of people, even while I was there, that I didn't have um, a lot of significant contact to, there were a number of things that already in place and we could keep those things going and build on them as opposed to coming in, starting with a blank sheet of paper, um, having to get to know people from the get-go before we really could do anything. So in many ways, the momentum just carried on for kind of that that 28 year period, which was, which was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super. That's, I'm sure that's, yeah, it's nice to walk into a situation where you're you're not starting at a kind of the 101 level of right, right. Of learning one, the institution one, and <laughs> one of the other interesting things that um, a member of the community, the Seward community, said after I was elected, and so I've been we learned I've been living here 13 years, and we're not natives of Nebraska, right? But a member of the community said, "It's so nice to have one of us be elected." president of Concordia. <laughs> so there was a, a sense in that small community that, um, yeah, you know, we, we know this person. And again, for them, there was a level of comfort. Well, we don't have to get to know someone all over um, as, as the new president comes on board. So I, mm -hmm. I always treasured that comment. That was, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. You already have some, the relationships, the cachet to right. be integrated, you know, into this new role then. And Right. And serve so well. So, yeah. So 15 years of presidency at Concordia, Nebraska. Right. And then and then you hear from Concordia St. Paul, your alma mater, right. that they'd like you to consider a call to be our 10th president here at right. CSP. What was that like for you to, to receive that call to be um, considered for this role now that you've been serving in? Yeah. Well, it was both humbling and a bit shocking. Lori and I were actually in Cabo with our family 
and I had a, a, a message on my phone from Mark Moxness. And I, you know, I've known Mark for a long, long time. And I thought, what is he calling me about? And Mark at that time was the chair of, of the CSP board. So I, I looked at it and I said, well, I better at least listen to this message. And so he just wanted me to call him. I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll call you, Mark. I, I know you must be important or you wouldn't call me. But uh, so, yeah, it was those two words, I think, uh, very humbling and, and shocking. What was your decision process like? And what ultimately do you feel like drew you to make the decision to come to CSP? Well, some people really want to press me on this when I've given this answer, but it's consistent with what with what both Lori and I have shared. It's, it was really God's call. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, in, in fact, I just had been reappointed to a new term at Concordia, Nebraska for another five years. And we really thought that we would um, serve out our full-time in ministry at Concordia, Nebraska, kids in, in Nebraska, um, we love the community, we had friends and connections, and there were a lot of positive things taking place at Concordia, Nebraska. So we just thought that yeah, we're here, we're here, but, um, God had other plans and we decided, well, we know that story of Jonah and the whale. We don't think we want to spend uh, some time in, in, uh, the, the, uh, well, he's, uh, a whale's belly. So yeah. we'll just say yes and be done with it. But we, we, we spent a lot of time thinking and praying about it for sure. So you come back to CSP, your first official mm-hmm. day is, is right after January 1st of 2020. Right. Right. Um, you, you've been uh, away, quote unquote, for 40 years. Obviously, you've, right. as a president of Concordia, Nebraska, you've networked with President Holst and President Reese. And so you've, mm-hmm. you've known what's gone on at the university. It's not, again, not coming in. Um, completely green um but but have some knowledge um but what was it like what were what were some of those things that that you experienced in terms of oh i didn't realize this is what was happening at csp or i didn't realize this had changed um describe Mm -hmm. what that was like Mm -hmm. in many ways billy was a whirlwind because started in january i was installed eh, maybe january 20 something and then February 8, 9, 10, right in that area, uh, Concordia Portland announced it was closing. And we all of a sudden went into full scramble mode to work to acquire the um, nursing school and the law school from Concordia Portland. And then uh, March 13th came and everything shut down because of COVID. And then uh, May, end of May, what, 26, 27, George Floyd's killed. And the first six months were, uh, I don't know if they were a whirlwind or a tornado wind or a hurricane wind, but there was a lot of of blowing and really, um, what's the best word to describe it? Uh, Learning on the run. It wasn't just on the job. It was literally learning on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're constantly pivoting to right. different things and different situations, different opportunities, and trying to ensure that yeah, our community is cared for and our people have what they need. And and I think one of the the um, reflections on that experience is getting to know an organization when it's immersed in crisis provides a whole different kind of learning opportunity than my, my previous learning opportunity, right? So we talked about that at Concordia, Nebraska. You don't know the job until you're in the seat, but you know a lot about it. Uh, here, didn't know a lot about the uh, 
institution as it is today. And then all this crisis stuff is going on. So it was really amazing to get to understand people and see their strengths, their gifts, their talents, um, and, and to learn really how a place functions and, and functions so very, very well in times of crisis. What's been your biggest joy or some of your biggest joys uh, over the past three years? And then the flip side, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges um, beyond some, maybe some of the things that you've you've shared about already? So the biggest joy, there have been so many, Billy, it's hard to narrow it down um, to one. I, it, it, I might cheat a little bit in this way, but I think that the greatest joy has been the the robustness and the reality of the mission of the institution and how it's lived out. Uh, one of the things I learned early on is that our current mission statement contains all the words save one that it had when it was framed 30 years ago. I mean, that's kind of impressive that essentially the institution, three different presidents during that time, um, you know, this was formed. Um, I mean, this is, this is solid stuff um, that really defines the institution and I think puts up a focus on why we're here. Uh, and why we're here, it's about students, uh, preparing them for thoughtful, informed living, for dedicated service to God and humanity, for enlightened care of God's creation, all within the context of the Christian gospel. Um, I don't know that in 1975 to 79, Concordia had a mission statement. Maybe we did. But 40 years later, um, coming to Concordia, experiencing the reality of that mission statement, I felt like this could be 1975, hmm. uh, how we were prepared, how the focus was on students, how the focus was on helping students achieve achieve their goals. So that might be kind of the number one joy. I mean, there have been a boatload of others that I could just tick off, um, mm -hmm. but but that's probably the the number one. So then the biggest challenge, I mean, obviously it'd, it'd probably be very easy to say COVID was, was a huge, <laughs> it was a challenge, yeah. a huge challenge. Um, and that, that might be low hanging fruit, but are, are there other challenges maybe, or, or a big mm. challenge that, that you want to lift up? So I, I mean, COVID likely uh, has a significant part in this, but the, the landscape and the rate of change in higher education today um, it was interesting. I read an article uh, recently on uh, presidential leadership at colleges and universities, and, and one of the authors was making a point that said no longer can presidents today afford to come in and spend this extended time getting to know people and doing all these things. They have to come in and hit the ground running. And, you know, I, that that's a really, really true thing. Um the, the needs that institutions have, the challenges that we face, uh, sometimes you can kind of group them into a, a, a triad of CCD, of closures and competition and demographics. And those those three pieces have all kinds of tentacles, um, you know, the, the to to be healthy and well and to keep focused on students in the midst of everything that's going on uh, around us in higher education is a really big challenge. So as you think about CSP today, how do you describe it? When you're talking to somebody 
who may be somewhat familiar with the university or, or someone who maybe knows it exists but doesn't really know anything about the ethos or personality of CSP. How, how do you describe CSP to those folks? Mm. How, do you, how do you encapsulate what this university is? Well, I thought you might ask that question. So I, I made a little laundry list of, of words I use. Um, I think, and they all fit, they all work. I don't know that one word is sufficient. But one of the things, having served at another institution, one of the things I think about is, uh, what does it mean to be a university? And and maybe that's an inside the park or inside the family word, but it's an important word uh, because it's different than a college. A college, and again, I'm going to you know simplify some things, but a college, um, we want the the curriculum and the experience to be the same for everyone who's here. University says, well, that's true, but it can't be absolutely the same. We need to think about what's core and spread across that all experience. But there are a lot of significant differences. And in, in so many ways, that's that's Concordia. So it's Concordia is a place that is urban, it's multicultural, um, it's dynamic, it's agile, it it's, serves students in multiple modalities, it has a wide array of programs, a wide array of degrees, it has a, a, a local, a regional, and global reach. Um, so there's just lots of ways to describe Concordia University St. Paul. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, why are you so passionate about CSP? Why are you uh, one of the biggest cheerleaders, if not the biggest cheerleader for a university? <laughs> and not just because you're the president, but because right. I think and I believe you truly love yeah. your alma mater and right. and love what we do here. So so yeah. ultimately, why are you so passionate? Yeah. Loving places and loving people um, are not quite the same thing, but they intersect. Mm -hmm. So the the place that this is and the place that over 130 years this place has been is really, really important. And it's it in many ways, it's a snapshot, it's a microcosm of the world that's all around us. And to be able to serve in such a, a diverse, multicultural, dynamic place is absolutely amazing. And then to get to work with students, um, I, I'm, I'm just amazed. Um, every time I spend time with students and hear their story and the uniqueness and differences of their story, and yet they're here. They're choosing Concordia St. Paul um, because of what we're able to help them do as they seek to achieve their goal of earning a degree. And, and that's just a, a, an, an amazing, amazing um, opportunity. And then to think about kind of the next layer is the people with whom I'm blessed to serve. The people mm -hmm. here are amazing. The gifts and talents and abilities, um, singular and unique to their discipline or their, their operational area that they're working in. But so far beyond that, it, I, I, I just marvel uh, at the amount of talent and, and ability that's that's here. So it's it's a pretty amazing place to be. 
this amazing mixture of cultures and, and faith backgrounds and people and um, intellect and interests. It, it just goes on, but but it works. And it, it's really, it's just a, an amazing thing uh, to see God at work in this place in so many uh, uh, unique and amazing ways. And to know that this phrase in our mission statement in the context of the Christian gospel is not just kind of a, a throwaway line or something that's an add-on, not at all. I mean, that when we talk to people, that's, that's what they talk about uh, mm-hmm. and how their role and their work here they're doing it in a way that, um, and I guess the, the fancy word is vocation, but they're seeing how God is using them and the gifts they have to serve others uh, in this place. Thank you for listening to the One Heart Podcast. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and consider sharing with a friend. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the One Heart Podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Concordia University St. Paul. The material information presented herein is for general information purposes only. The Concordia University St. Paul name, all forms and abbreviations are property of Concordia University St. Paul, and using them does not imply endorsement of or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service.